the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. You can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. You'll find the recording at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So let's get things started. Josh, cryptocurrency, everyone talking about it. If they're not, if, if no one is talking to you about cryptocurrency yet, they will be soon. I promise you that. So let's talk about what you think about Bitcoin and, and is it Deutschcoin and, and all the other coins? Did I mispronounce that? You know, your guess is as good as mine, but crypto works. And I just got a, a swift kick in the pants in the crypto department just uh, just this week, as a matter of fact. I... I do some speaking around at different universities, and and several years ago, going back about, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, I spoke at Franciscan University, and then as a result of that, uh, there was a bunch of, uh, there were a few students that were doing a thesis on cryptocurrencies. And this is, if you think back, you know, five, six years ago, and I might be off on my timeline, but it was really back in the infancy of cryptocurrency. And they kind of interviewed me and had me give them my thoughts on what I thought cryptocurrency was going to become. And ultimately, at the end of that, I said, while I think that it will be an incredibly volatile market, which turns out was pretty accurate, uh, I think it certainly has legs. I think crypto is here to stay. I think it's a viable alternative, much like you know buying physical metals, perhaps. And I think it'll be a good long-term investment if you can handle the swings. We kind of had this conversation about, well, should we buy some? And I said, yeah, if you allocate a little bit into it. Well, at the time, the professor actually bought 100 Bitcoin. And at the time, it was like, you know, a thousand bucks. I'm probably exaggerating, but not much money. Uh, he just called me this week to ask me uh, how happy I was with my Bitcoin purchase. And I said, I, I kind of just forgot. I never ended up buying it. I, I, and now he's got, you know, $4 million in Bitcoin off oh. of just a couple, a couple thousand bucks. So uh, your question is uh, kind of kicking me while I'm down a little bit. So thanks for that. <laughs> but what do I think about cryptocurrency? Do I think it's here to stay? Yes. Uh, I absolutely think it is here to stay. Are there different advantages and disadvantages to all the different, uh, you know, Bitcoin versus Ethereum versus XYZ, whoever it is? There certainly are differences, but ultimately the concept or the ideology of cryptocurrency is 
for sure here, and it's not going anywhere. The real issue that I see with cryptocurrency is the same thing that I said five or six years ago, which is the volatility. If you look at Bitcoin, for example, just this past week, um, Bitcoin in one day uh, went from, I believe it was $43,000 of Bitcoin down to 30000 of Bitcoin in 24 hours. So can you handle that level of volatility? And can you really consider it a cash alternative with that level of volatility? While it is a quote-unquote cash alternative, I would put it in the asset class of a risky, volatile investment, much like think those ancillary satellite investments even beyond the volatility of, a, of an emerging markets or something like that. So do I think it has a place in portfolios? Yes. To what capacity? You know, that, that 5% or under that you're really taking some risk with and you know that it's going to be a volatile, bouncy road, but I'm going to set it aside over here. It's liquid. I can use it to transact business per perhaps in the future. And um, I know that, you know, some places take it now, but it also offers me potentially some inflation protection, which is on the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now. So it has a lot of benefits, but the detriment is going to be that volatility. And can you handle that heat? Because, man, I, uh, I know a lot of people are saying they've made a lot of money in Bitcoin because they're playing with a thousand or two thousand. But really, an investment becomes an investment and not a game of gambling when you're willing to put larger chunks of money. You know, you're worth $500,000 and you say, I'm willing to put $50,000 of that 500 in Bitcoin. I don't know a lot of people that are there yet. What about dollar cost averaging with Bitcoin? Yeah, I think that's a good strategy, just like everything else. I think, you know, you purchase into the dips, um, consistent purchases along the way. You know, fortunately, if you go to a lot of these online uh, methodologies, you don't have to buy a full Bitcoin, of course, so you can buy fractions. So you can get into Bitcoin for a very low dollar amount. Would it be a smart strategy to dollar cost average in? Uh, a much better strategy in leveling out those ups and downs than it would be to just dump the full Monty in right out of the gate. I know one football player asked to be uh, paid for by in, in Bitcoin. So can we see that happening more in the future, likely? Yeah, I think you'll start to see a lot of it. And I know the story that you're talking about because he, uh, he took his contract and didn't spend the Bitcoin. And the contract ended up being way larger than anticipated because of the appreciation of the Bitcoin. I can't remember the name of the player. But it was pretty pretty famous news when it came out that he, he did it that way. But... Um, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure when it'll uh, reach worldwide acceptance. Um, you know, Tesla has been in a, a little bit of a, a back and forth uh, opinion on Bitcoin. But I think until, you know, remember, if we're receiving cash for a good, we don't want to receive cash that could change in value by 30% over 24-hour periods. So the only companies that are really going to be comfortable taking Bitcoin, I believe, currently will be ones that are very bullish on Bitcoin and have the financial wherewithal to weather the storm if they're wrong in the short run, or individuals that feel that way. But when you look at, like, let's say a Walmart, which is, you know, we're buying things for $2 and selling them for $2.20, do you really want to take the risk and the volatility, the currency risk of Bitcoin at this point? I doubt it, uh, but time will tell. And it's uh, Sean Culkin with the Kansas City Chiefs. Our producer, Mike, looked that up. I couldn't remember. There you go. Either. Yeah, I, yeah I remember reading the story. I know listeners are out there, you know, just yelling the name at the radio. So that's, that's what it is. I mean, do we ever see the dollar devaluing because Bitcoin becomes more popular? I don't know that the dollar will devalue as a result of Bitcoin becoming more popular. But I do think we're running a very strong risk of the dollar devaluing period as a result of our monetary policy.
and Ray Dilio, Bridgewater Capital, very famous. I think they manage something like, you know, 100 or 200 billion dollars or the largest hedge fund in the United States or maybe even the world. Um, he's been very vocal about this as of late with monetary policy, stimulus spending, the potential for the dollar to, to be taken away as the world reserve currency. Um, while I don't know that all of those things will happen or that we're at any risk of the dollar not being the world currency anytime soon, I think that you know stimulus spending, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is certainly going to lower the value of the dollar. And if you can't figure out ways to invest those dollars to overcome inflation, well, then essentially you're going backwards, not forwards, or even treading water and remaining the same. So is Bitcoin one of the options along with gold and you know, treasury inflation protected securities uh, or tips or investing in the stock market and dividend paying stocks. All of these things are great strategies. And I think it, it takes a combination of a lot of different things to manage risk effectively while minimizing the risk of inflation, or at least uh, minimizing the impact to your life of inflation and making sure that you're moving forward and not backwards. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Uh, to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. And Josh, you say the dollar is the world currency. What if that changes? Is it worth it to look at other currencies to invest in? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, if it changes, it would be uh, very detrimental, if not catastrophic, to the U.S. dollar. Now, we've been talking about, and I say we, everybody's been talking about the potential of the U.S. dollar being pulled as the world currency for decades. Um, do I think it's you know right around the corner? No. Do I think it would be rather egotistical of us to say that we we will never be uh, contested for the U.S. War, or for the world currency? I think that would be uh, rather egotistical. I mean, I think that's it's always a possibility if other um, economies become as strong as the dollar, if they're uh, as strong as the U.S., if their dollar becomes as stable as the U.S. dollar has been historically, then there's always a risk of that. Um, does that mean that we should invest in other currencies? Uh, it's a strategy. It's a risky strategy, and it's one that you should approach carefully and cautiously. But there are some ETFs and funds that do a pretty decent job of that. And again, that could all be a part of all of these different strategies working in unison to help protect against currency risk. So you have to not there's no magic bullet there's no i'm going to go pick you know i'm going to invest all my money in the swiss francs and i'll be safe no that could be the worst decision possible uh possibly the worst decision you can make so you have to look at it on a daily basis and then find professionals who operate within those particular categories and employ them to manage that particular pocket of money let's go through the aptus blueprint process when a client calls your office what are the steps and stages you go through when talking with a new client so step one is, is our discovery phase. And, and the purpose of meeting number one is just to learn everything about you. What are your fears? And maybe currency risk is one of those. Maybe inflationary risk is one of them. But then also, what are your goals, objectives? What do you want to achieve? What does retirement look like for you? If, in fact, retirement's the goal, maybe it's just financial independence and doing something different. But what is it that you want to do? What are your fears? And what have you currently been doing to achieve those goals. So how much are you saving? What are your assets, et cetera? It is a giant info gathering meeting to set us up for meeting number two, which we call the analysis meeting. And the purpose of that is just to simply analyze what you're doing currently. Um, use that as an educational platform to teach you about risk, where you're at. Essentially, will your arrow hit the target? And what are some things that could get in the way of that occurring? 
And then in meeting number three, which we call the blueprint meeting, we are going to look at all of those areas of potential risk or shortcomings in your plan, address them and give you an actionable blueprint to act upon, to fix those problems and make sure that there are as few speed bumps along the way of your, to your road to whatever goal it is that you have as possible. And then not until meeting number four do we decide, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Is it one that's going to stand the test of time and we feel uh, is a good fit? And at that point, we you know fill out paperwork and all the necessary stuff to get that started. Let's talk about the three-legged stool approach. Yeah, you know, this is a very common thing, or at least historically has been, but I feel like people's stools, if you want to use that in, uh, metaphor analogy, are starting to get a little bit, uh, a little bit lean on legs. Um, you know, there was a time when everybody had a pension, Social Security, and then their savings was just the third leg on the stool. Now people are very concerned about the viability of Social Security. Most people don't have a pension, but what they do have is maybe a 401k, and they are heavily reliant on that one leg. Well, if you've ever tried to sit on a one-legged stool, it doesn't stand up very well unless your balance is completely on point. So the takeaway here is we have to figure out through planning how can we add those legs back to the stool. And they could be a myriad of things, real estate, et cetera, et cetera. But we want to make sure that we have varying uh, sources of income, and that's part of our planning process. When we come back, we're going to talk about performances of uh, 401ks. You're listening to the Aptus Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always find that recording at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session, if you'd like to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Before the break, Josh, we were talking about a little bit about 401ks. What should people do if they aren't happy with how their 401k is performing? Well, you may have a lot of options or you may not. And, and first, let's address why you might not be happy with the performance or just in general your 401k. 401ks do think, uh, a few things very, very well. Uh, typically. Um, first thing they do well is cost. Usually, not always, but usually 401ks have very, very low fund expenses, which is great. We know that our performance is uh, at least in part tied to the fees that we pay. And when uh, a company like, let's say, you know, here in town Nationwide or Chase Bank, et cetera, they have a 401k, they have, you know, a tremendous amount of assets in that 401k and they get very good pricing on the funds that are inside of it. 
The other thing that does typically very well is um, have funds available for long-term aggressive growth, meaning it will have these very aggressive growth models. So when you're young, you know, 401ks are pretty good. If you're one of the fortunate few that has a match, even better. So now I'm putting in $100. It goes in pre-tax. I get a, perhaps a match on my money. It's very low cost. And I invest in a very aggressive portfolio for the long haul. Ultimately, that should treat you very, very well. However, let's start fast forwarding and saying now we're in our, our 50s, late 50s, maybe early 60s. And we look at our 401k and we say, you know what? We're coming off of the longest bull run in the history of the stock market. Um, there's a lot of things that concern me. I'm on the you know five-yard line or maybe the one-yard line of retirement. I want to pull back the reins a little bit. It makes me nervous that I'm invested as aggressively as I have been. Now, fortunately, over the last 10 years, that's treated me very well because I've been overweighted in the stock market, and I know I probably should have done something, but I didn't. And now I'd like to pull back the reins. Where do I go? Well, this is where you see the significant shortcomings of 401ks. Typically, they'll have equity funds, meaning funds that are invested in stocks, they might have 15 of them inside of your 401k. And then you go down to the bond fund category, and you might have two. And then you go, wait, I really don't want to invest in bonds because I heard that interest rates are inversely proportional to bonds, meaning we're at the lowest interest rates in the history of the United States. If interest rates start going up, that's not going to be a favorable environment for bonds. And not only may I not you know, make a lot of money in the bond market, I, I could theoretically lose money. So I don't necessarily want to go to a bond fund. So what other options do I have? They may have a money market account. And Diane, I don't know if you've checked rates on money markets or savings accounts, but it's basically nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my options are swing for the fences or just sit on my hands. Those are my only two choices. Um, other than that, most 401ks have very, very limited options, if any, in a way to safely grow your money as you're getting to that one yard line. So if you're not happy with your 401k because of any of these reasons, don't think that's the only option that you have. If you're over 59 and a half, Almost every 401k on the planet, with very few exceptions, will allow you to do what's called an in-service distribution or in-service rollover. And what that means is you still very much continue to contribute to your 401k while you're working there. You still very much get the match if your employer offers it. You still get to you know, invest in dollar cost average into the funds within that if should you choose. But you can take a part of your money out, up to sometimes all of it. Sometimes you know, there's a certain threshold. But you can take some of your money out, roll it over into a self-directed IRA that is a non-taxable event. And then now that it's in a self-directed IRA, you can invest in anything that you want to. And I know that can be an overwhelming thing for some people. They go, well, I don't want to make any mistakes, at least inside of my employer-sponsored 401k plan. I know there's been some due diligence done there to make sure that I'm not doing anything foolish. Well, that's why you find a professional. And you work with you know, my office and we'll show you what your options are. And through that educational process, you'll learn that you have options that you can utilize that can protect against market risk, but do a heck of a lot better than money market or bond type returns. So you have the ability to diversify and protect what you've gained over the last 10 years or so. And you can still utilize your 401k for other parts of your money should you choose. And people can bring their 401k to you and you can help them analyze whether, whether it's doing well or not. Absolutely. Uh, we talked earlier about the, the blueprint process that we utilize. And in meeting two, that's where we're going to analyze what your 401k looks like. What are the fees in your particular plan? What has the performance been? 
what are the pros and cons, and then you can ultimately make the decision as to whether or not um, having some additional diversification would be of benefit to you. So that employer matching is is so important, but you can look at it might not even be worth it to keep it in there, even though that you're getting free money from your boss. Well, no, we can actually kind of have both, the best of both worlds. So that employee match applies to the contributions that you're putting in. But once those matching funds are vested, you have the ability to do an in-service rollover with those funds, keep all of those matching funds, do something else with it, and then continue to contribute to your existing 401k and continue to receive the matching funds. So you have the ability to diversify and still keep your matching funds. It's the best of both worlds. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, we touched on 401ks, and they're so synonymous with retirement. But if that's not an option, uh, and I think you mentioned a couple of a couple of these, but let's go over the other ways to prepare for uh, retirement. Yeah, there's there's a lot of options out there for you. And not every employer is going to have a retirement plan, particularly small employers. Many of them don't. So if your employer does not have a 401k plan or doesn't have, you know, another thing that you'll hear oftentimes is a simple IRA plan, which a simple IRA plan is is very much like a 401k, a little bit different contribution limits, et cetera. But the reason smaller employers do them is the cost to the employer is a lot less. So when you're a smaller company and you don't have the economies of scale of a giant company, sometimes a simple IRA makes more sense. So if you don't have one of those two things, though, you could start your own IRA. You know, just go start a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And uh, if you're, a lot of people will say, you know, yeah, but I can't do that because I make too much money and there's income limits. If you do not have a company plan available to you, there are no income limits on those two items. You're absolutely allowed to contribute to them uh, with no income requirements. So set yourself up with your own 401k, if you want to call it that, and that would just be called an individual retirement account or an IRA. And you can do that either pre-tax or post-tax and you know, call my office and we'll tell you which one makes the most sense for your individual situation. Because the answer there, Diane, is really taxes. Um, is it better to get the tax benefit now or the tax benefit later? And that is very unique to your particular situation. The other one is if you're self-employed, a lot of people don't have their own 401k because they say, you know, it's just me. Why do I want to do a, a 401k and pay all these costs? Well, to dispel some of that, uh, in our office, we can do what's called a solo 401k, and the costs to you are essentially non-existent. So you don't have to worry about all these huge costs that you've heard of with a company-sponsored 401k with multiple participants and employees. With a solo 401k, it is just that. It's a 401k for one person because you own your own company and you are the only employee. The other option you could do if you're not a company, but you're just a, let's say, a sole proprietor or you know, you're, a, you're a realtor or work for yourself or whoever, whatever your situation is, but you don't have a W-2. You just take all of your income via 1099. You have the ability to do something called a SEP IRA. And a SEP IRA is just like a traditional IRA, except for you can do a lot more money. So you can do 25% of your income all the way up until it's, you know, well over $50,000 a year. So you have a lot of room to deposit retirement funds into that. Which one is is preferable, the SEP or the, the solo 401k? Yeah, so that's where it gets a little bit more muddy and where I, I highly recommend that you give our office a call because it depends on your situation. Depending upon your income, 
doing a SEP could make a lot of sense because you don't have the added burden of doing a payroll. And by a payroll, I mean you actually receive a W-2. So if you're, an, if you're just set up as an LLC, taxes an LLC, for the most part, SEP IRA is the way to go. But if you're an LLC and let's say you decide you want to be taxed as an S-corp because you're trying to save money on Social Security taxes, et cetera, well, then it starts pointing more in the direction of simple IRA and 401k. And you say, which one's better between the two of those? Um, it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But for the most part in today's world, a solo 401k probably makes more sense for both contribution limits and the ability to do profit sharing. But if you're listening to all this and you're going, holy cow, he just went off the rails. I, I don't know that this is starting to get very complicated. What is an S corp versus an LLC versus a, versus a, the, 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 right? Give us a call. I'll walk you through it and tell you why it makes the most sense to go one way or the other. And sometimes that involves us coordinating with your accountant and making sure we're on the same page. But the takeaway here is, there are, and we didn't even cover all the options. There are a tremendous amount of options for you to utilize. And one is going to be a perfect fit for you. And you don't know what the perfect fit is unless you, we actually analyze which one works for you. But there is no excuse of my company doesn't have one, so I don't have to save for retirement. No, we just have to pick the right vehicle for you to be able to do that on your own. If you're doing a solo 401k, can you do an, like, can you match yourself? Just like an employer, employer matching? Yep. Oh. Yep. So, yeah, it's very interesting. So you can actually do profit sharing contributions, et cetera. So, you know, it's not uncommon to see 401k contributions up in the thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, yeah, because once you once you decide to go down that path, you are a company, but you're also just an employee of your company. So, without diving too deep into, you know, carte blanche tax advice across the board, know that. One may work better than you based upon your income level, your particular company, how you're taxed, how much you're trying to save, et cetera. It's not as simple as saying, what's the best one? So give us a call. We'll walk you through it. Make sure you get the right pick. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's talk about health savings accounts. Yeah, health savings accounts are an interesting way, think of it as a backdoor way to actually bolster your retirement savings. And for those of you who don't know, uh, HSA, health savings account, it's available to people who have high deductible plans. So there are some criteria there, but uh, I'm sure we could all look at our health plans at this point and go, aren't they all high deductible? And for the most part, the answer is yes. So once you've determined that your plan is qualifies as a high deductible plan, you have the ability to put money in on a pre-tax basis, just like your 401k, so you save taxes on that money today, it grows tax deferred, and as long as you use it for health expenses, it is completely tax-free. On top of that, you get to invest those dollars just like you would a 401k. Most of these health savings accounts allow you to invest them in mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera. And you can use those dollars all the way into your retirement years. So it's not like you need to use them year over year like a flexible spending account. So it's a great way, and I know we're short on time here, but it's a great way to put, if you're a family, you can put over $7,000 a year into a health savings account. It's a great way to bolster your potential future retirement income because you're going to end up using some of your income in retirement uh, for health insurance. So might as well prepay, pre-tax today, tax-free later. Josh's number again is 614-364-7300. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. Don't forget, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays every Monday evening at 6 on 98.9 The Answer. 
We'll be back with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show in a moment. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, what are some clues people can look for to find out if their current financial advisor is not the right fit? That's an interesting question. I think, you know, first step would be, are you asking yourself that question? Because that probably tells you that you feel like you're not getting something that you need. So the first question I would ask myself is, of all the questions that are running through my head, do I believe my financial advisor is going to give me the answers to those questions or is equipped to give me the answers to those questions? And if the answer is no, then it might not be a good fit. And you probably want to go down the path of, you know, well, why don't I feel that way? You know, what is my advisor's niche or niche or how do I never, what is it, niche, niche? I don't know. But anyway, what, what is, both are good. What, what is their niche, right? So if I'm nearing retirement and the biggest questions that I have are how do I distribute income in a tax efficient manner from these portfolios that I've grown and how do I minimize risk? Those are my big, that's what's going to make me comfortable. Those are my big questions. And my financial planner works with people that are between the ages of 18 and 80, um, involving every gamut of financial planning between, you know, taxes and retirement and how to fund for college and how do I set up my 401k? Well, they're, they're really not specializing in what I'm looking for. So then I start asking them questions exactly what I'm looking for. And I get responses like, well, you know, we really don't do t- uh, tax planning here. Well, we really, you know, all you do is just take 4% out and you'll be fine. You start getting answers that seem very vague. They don't seem specific, and they don't seem to give you that uh, this person knows what they're talking about, and they're giving me the exact guidance, uh, an actionable plan, if you will, uh, on how to solve some of these problems. Should I do a Roth IRA conversion? Well, you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't. You're going to pay the piper at some point. That is not an answer. That is a, uh, I really don't want to do the math for you, so let's just uh, roll the dice. These are probably not the right answers. And that brings me to my next point, I guess. If you feel like your advisor is doing the bare minimum, in other words, maybe they were incredibly involved up front, but you're not hearing from them very often. When you do hear from them, it's, hey, Bill, how you doing? Good. How are the kids? Great. While those are very good touchy-feelies, is that a productive meeting? I want to make sure that the advisor that I'm meeting with hopefully every six months, which is what we do in our office, we always get together at least twice a year, is saying, hey, how's retirement been treating you? Is, is, are you going to take less money this year than you did last year? Do you need more? And if so, let's do some math and see if a Roth IRA conversion makes sense for you. Have we covered already long-term care? Have we addressed that? Each meeting should be a productive meeting that either reiterates the stuff that you already knew or the plan that you've already done, or is covering new topics that maybe you haven't gotten to yet that you believe are important moving forward. But the only way you're going to get those answers 
is if you're with a planner that specializes in the particular season of life that you're in. And in our office, Diane, we deal with people who are very near to retirement or into retirement. So, you know, 97% of our clients are over the age of 55. Do we have younger clients? Of course. But really the biggest value that we bring is a lot of the things that I just mentioned. You know, how do we minimize taxes in retirement, both during your income years, but also passing to heirs? How do we minimize risk? How do we, how do we make sure we structure an income plan for the remainder of your life where you don't have to worry about market loss? And what, what if this happened? Am I still okay? We definitely educate our clients to let them know what expectations are. So when these types of gyrations in the markets occur, they understand that this was expected, that we had planned for it, and that it in no way affects the long-term viability of their plan. But all of that comes back to, does it feel right? Are you getting uh, followed up on a lot? Are those follow-up meetings very productive? And are you in their right niche of specialization? And if you understand what your advisor is saying. Uh, communication style is critical. Yeah. And you know, everybody's different. Uh, there's different types of personalities, but uh, I would say beyond just the personality, uh, oftentimes what I hear in my office is I feel like my advisor, my old advisor was talking over my head, which uh, I have my own opinions on that. I think anytime somebody tries to talk over your head, it's probably them trying to cover up the fact that they don't know what the heck they're talking about. So if I just use really big words, they'll think I'm smart. They should be able to take that information, that that high level intelligent information that might quite frankly be over your head, but boil it down into terms that you can understand, that you can easily identify with, and that makes sense to you. If they can't do that, it might not be the right fit. And on the reverse mansplainers, women cannot handle when uh, the mansplainers, and you definitely are not that, Josh, so I just want um, well, to appreciate I, it. I don't know if that's good or bad because I've never heard that term before, but mansplainers, do tell. You haven't heard of mansplainers? So I, I honestly have not. It, it, it means when they tell you basic, basic stuff and they talk to you like you're dumb. Oh, looking yeah. down their nose at you. Well, no, and just, no. you know, here you go. Don't burn yourself. Put your hand over the coffee cup. Like, just real unnecessary explanation because the, the attitude is that, yeah. No, at least I hope I'm not a mansplainer. No, but, you, uh, you are not. No. I would have let you know, believe me. I'm sure you would. <laughs> All right, you're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Ladies, he is not a mansplainer. Josh, let's uh, switch gears here. What are the most difficult crossroads people encounter uh, when they are getting ready to retire? What are some of the biggest issues that come up? Well, one is fear, uh, just the sheer fear. I, I had a client explain to me once um, that, that retiring is like standing on the edge of a cliff and you have a parachute on your back. You've never jumped off a cliff before, nor have you packed a parachute, and you're just hoping you packed it right because you know once you jump, there's probably no going back. In other words, you leave that great job, they may or may not hire you back if you get it wrong and you realize five years from now. So the first is fear, but I think that fear comes down to a few things. How much can I take out of my investments? In other words, should I just, uh, I've heard 4%, 3%, 5%, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to take, but it seems like everybody's got a different opinion. Um, so I have this pot of money that's invested in whatever way, and I'm just supposed to randomly take a certain percentage off of it. And it, I guess it'll last. 
Well, that would make me scared too. That's a lot of I guesses and I thinks. Um, so first is you got to overcome that hurdle, recognize how should I allocate all of these assets and where from specifically should I take my income? And then from that location, uh, how much can I take and adjust for inflation and plan for the unknowns, et cetera. So first step is, you know, make sure you're very proactive in this planning, but get the information. One of the big, you know, I think you said crossroads is getting over that hurdle of, do I have enough money to retire on? And I think oftentimes people are making that decision almost anecdotally. Like I heard, you know, 10 times I of my salary works. I've heard this, I've heard that, but they haven't actually analytically put pen to paper, or let's be realistic here, done computer, uh, computer program that's all encompassing to cover all of these possibilities. And then within that, um, once we've hopped over that hurdle, another two that I hear oftentimes is, you know, is an annuity right for me? I know I've heard a lot of, you know, information pros and cons, both on annuities. I think I've heard that there's a lot of different types of annuities. Uh, it seems like, you know, in these, there's, there's a bunch of different types, but it seems like the media hates one of them, but I don't, they never tell you which one they hate, but I definitely don't want to get one of those. Do I need one at all? And if so, which one would I get? And I, I think they provide lifetime income, but is an annuity right for me? Because I've never had it explained to me in a way that made sense, meaning somebody was either trying to tell me that it was awful or trying to sell me one no matter what, but I don't really know how they work and how it might be applicable in my situation. So um, do I have enough money? Should I have an annuity? Uh, what would be another one? Long-term care insurance. I don't want to be a burden to my kids. I want to make sure that when the time comes, if it comes, which I've read stats, you know, that there's about a 50-50 shot. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm not a burden on my kids or my family and I leave my surviving spouse uh, with enough money to live out the remainder of their years not destitute. But long-term care seems like a very convoluted place, meaning I've heard people say, don't buy it, and I've heard people say, you have to have it, but I've also heard that there's different ways to do that. How do I overcome all of that? Much like annuities, Diane, is, is you know, how do, uh, there's just too much nonsense out there. I need somebody to cut through all the fat for me and explain to me uh, what is good or bad about these things and does it fit my situation? So. Uh, we're going to make sure that when people come to our office, we get over the hurdle of, can you retire? How do you retire? And then in that, does an annuity and long-term care play a part in what you're trying to accomplish? With the long-term care insurance, is there, let's say if you don't use it, is there a way, are there policies where you can get your money back? Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways to kind of skin that cat. Um, the traditional long-term care way is you would pay premiums uh, every single year almost like auto insurance, and in exchange for those premiums, you had coverage. And as long as you paid the premiums, you had the coverage. But the downside is premiums can go up, so you had no assurance or lock whatsoever on what your premiums were going to be. And I'm sure everybody's heard horror stories about, yeah, I had this great long-term care policy, paid on it for 15 years, and then they just kept on raising the premiums to the point where I couldn't afford it anymore. And then I dropped the policy and I got no money back. So if you don't use it, you lose it. Those policies are, they kind of come and go throughout the marketplace, but I don't advocate for those at all. The other type of policies are what we call hybrids or uh, life insurance policies with riders or uh, kind of enhancements attached to them. And essentially, there's a bunch of different ways to deal with those as well, but I'll give you the general idea. The idea is 
you pay into these policies, your premiums are locked. Whether you do a, a single premium or ongoing premiums, you know what your premium is always going to be. It cannot go any higher. Uh, oftentimes, if you decide or you change your mind, there's a way where you can get your premiums back or at least the lion's share of them back. So you put in a hundred grand and five years from now you go, you know what? I don't even want this long-term care policy. Uh, I changed my mind. You get your hundred thousand dollars back or at least the lion's share of it. And then the other way is if you don't use the long-term care, which is, you know, significant, but if you don't use it, then there's a death benefit attached to it. So you put in your hundred grand and maybe your beneficiaries get two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars as a death benefit as opposed to the hundred grand. So the only risk really is I could have used that hundred thousand dollars for something else. But oftentimes what I find, Diane, is people like to have cash on hand. They like to have that emergency fund. But that emergency fund today with interest rates being where they are really isn't doing you any any service. As a matter of fact, with inflation, you're taking steps backwards. So this is a way to take the money out of that left pocket in your savings account, put it in your right pocket. It's still in your pockets. You can still get that hundred grand back if you want, but at least you're using it for something much more beneficial, whether that be a death benefit or an extremely enhanced long-term care benefit. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, if you have questions about what you've heard about on the show, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can join Josh as he talks retirement every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that conversation at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, what are some ways proposed laws like the Secure Act 2.0 could change the way we all look at retirement? Well, there's a lot. The objective or the purpose of all of these new secure acts is to theoretically, at least, make uh, saving for retirement more automatic, easier, give you more options to do catch-ups, I mean catch-up contributions, and also allow you to work longer before you have to take minimum required distributions. So let me kind of cover some of what I just said. One of the benefits of the SECURE Act 2.0 would be to kick when you have to take required minimum distributions out of your retirement accounts until age 75. And I give you some history on this and what I'm even talking about. Required minimum distributions is a time in your life where the IRS says, all right, enough is enough. You've been putting this money into these pre-tax accounts. We've never gotten our tax dollars off of it. It's been growing tax-free, which, you know, good for you but you've still not paid any taxes on any of this money. So we want our money. 
it used to be that at age 70 and a half, you had to start taking money out of your qualified accounts. That was kicked in 2020 to 72. The Secure Act 2.0 would kick it to 75. Now, this one's unusual to me. You would think in the point we are in the economy and uh, how much we are in a deficit spending that the IRS would want its money sooner rather than later. I don't know what the exact argument is on why they're kicking it to age 75 or interested in kicking it to age 75, but this is a good thing for everybody. Certainly first world problems to have to take money that you don't want uh, before you want to take it, but it does give people a longer amount of time to consider doing Roth conversions if they don't want the money. So effectively doing that buys us more time to do Roth IRA conversions into retirement. So that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing that it does that's been really on the docket for a long time is auto-enrolling people in 401k and 403b plans. So what that effectively would do is you start working for an employer. The way it works today is you have to go in and enroll into that 401k plan. Oftentimes you have to wait, you know, there's an enrollment period, et cetera. But what this would do would essentially just put you in the 401k at 3% of your salary and you have to elect to get out of it. So the theory there is um, people will, who are automatically enrolled, very few people will elect to get out of it. But unfortunately, Diane, very few people actually take the time to enroll in 401ks. 401k involvement or 401k enrollment is incredibly low in the United States, and that's not helping uh, the future retirement needs of people who are working. And I, I think there's going to be um, a, a lot of folks that when they reach retirement, they're going to realize they should have started sooner. You know, they start thinking about retirement when they're 55 years old, and then I only have 10 years, and it becomes overwhelming. If they would have just saved three, four, five percent in their early years, it certainly would have helped dramatically because time is your biggest asset. The theory of this is if we just auto enroll people, that will up enroll that will up overall enrollment and very few people actually take the time to opt out. We'll see if that plays out. Um, and then, you know, again, I said, you know, it's it's allowing people to do larger catch up contributions. And it's just that. So uh, currently, if you are over the age of 50, you can do a catch-up contribution in your 401k plan of $6,500, so beyond the max. If the 401k max is $19,500, $19, then maybe you have a match if you're lucky. And then if you're over the age of 50, you can do an additional $6,500 for a total of $26,000 a year in your 401k. They want to raise that up and say, well, you know, if you were a little late to the game and now you're trying to catch up, you could do a total of $10,000. So all of these, without kind of going one by one through all of the different things that, that they're throwing in there, all of them are pointed towards more regular saving, allowing you to save more at necessary times in your life, not having to take that money out as early as you had in the past so that if you need to, you can continue to work later into life without having the burden of that minimum required distribution, kind of the hole in the bottom of the bucket while you're trying to fill the bucket. And then if you're in a lower income category, there's a lot of discussion about actually providing people a larger tax benefit than their contributions would normally have. For example, if you're in the 12% tax bracket and you put money into a 401k, you might be eligible for a 20% tax break on the contribution. So you're actually getting an enhancement in tax break by saving in the lower income categories. Whereas if you're in the higher income categories, and let's say you're in the you know 39 or 40% tax bracket, we'll see where taxes go. 
But if you're in the 40% tax bracket, you may only get a 30% tax credit. So some of that money is going in after tax. So what we're trying to do is give lower income categories a larger incentive to save, getting more people to save automatically, and then you know incentivizing people to save more potentially than they would have otherwise. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. If you have questions, let me give you Josh's number. It is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's talk about taxes, Josh. And what are some of the most important things uh, people need to do to be proactive and avoid kind of getting blindsided by, by taxes in retirement? Well, I'm sure anybody listening right now would say that uh, the, the, the tax problems that they've had, if any, have been not being proactive and getting blindsided, right? So first step is be proactive. You have to take a very proactive tax planning approach if you want to avoid having, you know, your life savings, a.k.a. your retirement savings from being taxed to death. Uh, So be proactive. Have a plan. That's, you know, I can't emphasize that enough is you have to be proactive. What are some things that, that tend to sneak up on people? Well, I oftentimes will see people get blindsided by, well, is Social Security taxed, yes or no? And the answer is it depends. They say, depends on what? That sounds like, a, sounds like a scapegoat answer. What do you mean it depends on? Well, it depends on your outside income and the income sources that you're drawing from. So the objective would be to minimize the impact of the outside income sources to minimize the impact on your Social Security. Uh, okay, that makes sense. How do we do that? And then being proactive in an approach to effectively show somebody how to do that. The second one is there's some caveats on your Medicare premiums. Uh, your Medicare premium that you pay is based upon your income, and there's a bunch of different tiers. There's, I think, five different tiers of Medicare premiums ranging from about 150 bucks a month all the way up to just shy of $500 a month. So obviously a pretty wide range, particularly if you're looking at a husband and wife scenario. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big difference. But there's a way that you can really screw yourself up uh, in doing your taxes by filing separately. Um, With Medicare, if you file jointly, to get to the top bracket or the top level of Medicare premium, you have to make something like over $500,000 a year joint, which very few people do that, so it's not really an issue for people. But there's a bunch of different levels underneath that, all the way down to 150. And that 150, roughly, is a joint income of 170, which is and under, which most people fit into that category. So you'd say, well, I make, you know, combined income, we make less than 170. So I don't really care what you're talking about, except for if you file separately. If you file separately, and oftentimes, you know, accountants will tell you, well, if you file separately, it'll save you 300 bucks. Cool. But if one of you hops over $85,000, which is probably going to happen because you're going to put a lot of the expenses on one person and, and very little on the other, that's the... The, the basis of filing separately is to, to win as a unit, but one person usually loses and one person wins, but together it's a better scenario. Once one of you hops over 85000 that particular person skips all the benchmarks and goes all the way to the top. So you saved yourself $300 to end up paying $300 a month more in Medicare. So again, all of these things come down to proactive planning and knowing what to look for. So There's a bunch of different strategies that we can employ, and we haven't even started talking about what taxes could impact you at death to your beneficiaries. Uh, There's a host of things that you have to take into account. Now, fortunately, we've been doing this for in my office for a really long time. Uh, I owned a tax practice for a really long time. So 
you know, we're well aware of how these all play out. We're well aware of probate and how do we avoid probate. We're well aware of how do we make sure we assign appropriate beneficiaries to avoid the probate issue on things ranging from your home all the way up to your retirement assets. But unless you know the information, which quite frankly, I don't know that there's a bullet point list that you can find anywhere. It can be a very difficult uh, labyrinth to navigate. So proactive plan and know what the plan for and the way to get the answers to those are very easy. Just call our office and we'll walk you through it. And I'm going to give your uh, number here. I, d- I still don't understand the death tax. Like, what what is the purpose of that? I, or what is the purpose of any taxes? But, I mean, that one seems especially unfair. Yeah, I mean, in theory, in theory, the purpose of the death tax is to stop incredibly wealthy families from continuing to just get larger and larger wealth because there would be, you know, 10 families, 50 families in the United States that would control the lion's share of the wealth. The reality of it, in my opinion, is, um, you know, Biden is talking about the elimination of the step-up in basis. And the step-up in basis is if you own a stock and you bought it for 10 bucks and then it's worth 100 bucks, if you sold it while you're alive, you'd have to pay taxes on that $90 differential. But if you die holding the stock, it gets something called a step-up in basis, meaning that your beneficiary's new basis is the $100. So they don't owe taxes immediately. My fear is that if, while I understand we want to eliminate that because families could just live off of stock for the rest of their life living off dividends, and you know we don't like wealth, wealthy dynasties in our political environment, what about farmland? So your, your parents bought farmland for $100,000, and now farmland has gone up to $3 million for that same $100,000 parcel, and you die and you want to keep the farm in the family. Now there's a tax bill based upon $2.9 million dollars. And that's the only asset your parents had. How in the world are you going to pay the tax bill? You're going to have to sell part of the farm. And I don't know that that will end up being the case, that step-up and basis elimination will apply to farmland. But that's certainly one of those instances that the baby could absolutely be thrown out with the bathwater. And I, I genuinely hope that's not the case. But um, stay tuned. We're going to have to, we're going to have more stuff to, to navigate uh, once the actual you know, Biden tax plan goes through. Besides the weekend, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick, and you can catch us every weekend at the same time. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process. Thanks, everyone, for spending time with us today, and have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.